Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Come and get some, everybody. It's a solo show today. Your boy's rolling alongside Mr. Underscore Me 93. Matt Essig on the other side of the city, quite frankly. He'll be taking your calls at 301-230-0980. Be courteous to him when you call in today. We'll talk to you today at some point, we promise. Chris Russell on his way to Florida, attending to some family business. Hope that goes well for him, safe travels. And uh, as long as everything goes okay, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous because Russell's going to try and go to the Daytona 500. I reached out to a friend of mine within NASCAR. Hopefully we can get him hooked up in some capacity for that on Sunday. I am, I am absolutely psychotic that I looked at my schedule on Sunday and I went, whoa, wait a minute, I don't have anything to do Sunday. Family's going out of town. Guerrero's going to sit in front of the TV and watch the Daytona 500 uninterrupted with the exception of maybe walking the dog a little bit on Sunday afternoon. Can't wait for that. Welcome to a Wednesday morning show. I'm doing it from the Shady and Bella Studios here in beautiful Churchton. I've got a road game tonight at Lehigh, so I need to be an hour closer to there uh, than being in Southeast D.C. and also doing the show solo today. Coming up, Charlie Slow is going to join us at 920. Going to talk about the impact of the Lerner family and what it did for baseball here. Obviously, Major League Baseball brought the team here the learners won the bidding process that's how technically things work so the learners didn't have necessarily a direct link to bringing the team here but they did win the bid and they did invest in the team they did invest in southeast dc an area where no one really wanted to invest in they made it okay certainly was there was there a financial gain? Obviously. That's why you do it. You don't invest. You got to But to make money, you have to spend money. They were willing to do that in that area. They made it okay for everyone to come back to that part of Southeast. Restaurants. There's condos galore now down there. I mean, if you want to spend a lot of money for a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom, you can do that down in that area now. I mean, the building right across the street from where we work, a two-bedroom condominium or whatever those things are, is six hundred grand. They've got it right on a sign out in front. Hey, one bedroom, four hundred, six, or two, six hundred thousand. Come on in. Okay, you got you got to punch in your code to get in the door. I mean, they got all the fancy bells and whistles down here in Southeast DC right now, and we'll talk with Charlie coming up in about twenty minutes on that 
as uh, we'll talk about the legacy of the Lerner family, obviously with Ted Lerner passing away and the spring training being right around the corner. Lots of new rules uh, to to talk about uh, this year at Major League Baseball. That will certainly be talking points early in the season. You'll hear Charlie and Dave talking about that, I'm sure, quite a bit uh, early in the season, especially in the spring training games. So you get used to it when the season starts. And, of course, our sister station, 106.7 The Fan, the flagship station for Washington Nationals baseball. Last night, last night in the NBA, right here, right here, because I was listening to it, and I nearly jumped out of my seat while I'm driving my car last night. It was getting ready to happen again, ladies and gentlemen. The Wizards on the road at Portland. Remember what happened the first time they played? Mm-hmm. Washington was up big, and what happened? Portland came rolling back. Well, guess what? Last night, Washington was up 23. All of a sudden, the Blazers were creeping in and creeping in and hitting threes. West Unseld's burning timeouts like I burn cupcakes. And all of a sudden, the Blazers at one point cut it to 10. And then, and then, somebody had to take the reins for the Wizards last night and say, this ish is not acceptable. This can't happen again. And who is supposed to do that in moments like that? Yes, in this case, the $250 million man is supposed to take the bull by the horns. He's watching Damian Lillard hit shots, create shots for others. He's watching him bring Portland back in this game. And then finally, Bradley Beal said enough is enough. Morris gives the Beal right of the circle. Beal near midcourt on the right side. Beal off a Porzinga screen, foul on Drows. Oh, right in. Oh, wow. That'll draw your preserves as Beal throws it down. 107-92 Wizards. My guy, Dave Johnson. Love that guy dearly. Love it. It was like, it was like he pulled rib cartilage, <laughs> making the call on the dunk, and Glenn... <laughs> Glenn's like, whoa, like where did, like you could see with Glenn, Glenn's like, where did that come from? That's it, Bradley Beal. That's what we need from you right there. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, literally, I mean, there's not many moments with this team right now that, that make you jump out of your seat. I'm driving my car coming back from Rosecroft last night. I'm listening to Dave, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, literally, I believe my buttocks elevated off the seat. Because finally somebody said enough is enough. Somebody said I got to do, and, and, and that's what your $250 million man is supposed to do. Teams make runs. Michael Jordan said, no, I'm going to stop this. Kobe Bryant said, no, I'm going to stop this. Go stop the run yourself. Don't depend on your teammates. Take the bull by the horns. Match the superstar on the other side who's bringing his team back. And stop this. Bradley Beal did that on that individual play. Another great game from Kyle Kuzma last night. Good to have him back in the lineup. But Wes, Wes was calling timeouts finally. Stop this stuff. Don't let your team play the other team back in there. They, they, I think the Blazers at one point cut it to, from 23 to 18, and West called a timeout. I'm like, yes, yes, don't let them get all the way back. Don't let that momentum continue to build, at least for one night on the West Coast. You know, things worked out for Washington. Exciting 
uh, to see Bradley Beal do that. And I, I hope there's more of that in the second half. I hope there's more of good health for him in the second half. There's a lot of responsibility to live up to a $250 million deal. And I'm sure, I'm sure that he understands that responsibility because you don't pay him, um, you know, that kind of money. You don't pay him that kind of money uh, unless you expect him to do things like that. That's what Tommy Shepard and Ted are paying him for. Moments like that. Let's hope there's more of that coming up in the second half. Yesterday, uh, what we had been telling you for weeks uh, ultimately became official uh, in the National Football League. Uh, there's no doubt Shane Steichen, I think, is going to be uh, a very good head coach at some point. Uh, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised. I think Shane Steichen's going to do uh, a good job uh, as a head coach as long as he gets the support roster-wise in Indianapolis, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Jonathan Gannon gets the job out in Arizona. Quite interesting that uh, this go-around, Cardinals uh, chose not to uh, interview Eric Bieniemy. Colts did, uh, but I think Steichen, I think Steichen versus Bieniemy is is a. I think Steichen's performance is fine. Gannon did a good job in the regular season this year, but clearly the other night, Kansas City in the chess match. Um, you know, won the battle, did a great job, kept that great defense at bay uh, in the second half uh, in the most key moments uh, of this football game after Philadelphia had gotten out to that 10-point lead. So if you want to if you want to argue one over the other, you can cert- certainly make that case based on one game. Gannon's body of work, not bad, though. Uh, I mean, his season's body of work uh, was outstanding. Biggest challenge for him in Arizona is management and the roster. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to turn that around right away. You've got to replace uh, J.J. Watt, obviously, uh, along the defensive line, and you need plenty of other talent on that side of the ball. There's no doubt that I bet he is going to try and sign James Bradbury. He's going to tell them we need to get that guy. He's a free agent. So I would imagine he's going to try and call on some of these former Eagles that they may not be able to re-sign. Guy or two on the defensive line going to be available. I would not be surprised if the Arizona Cardinals make significant moves for two or three Philadelphia Eagles that are free agents on the defensive side of the football this year because Jonathan Gannon knows he's got a big rebuild uh, to come there in Arizona. And and people will, people will obviously cite Kyler Murray's injury, when Kyler Murray may be back, and some of the other things that uh, unfortunately now are tagged with Kyler Murray. And it's up to him to change the narrative uh, with his play. Uh, for Arizona. So there are a lot of question marks going out there, and I certainly believe that Steichen has a chance to win sooner with Indianapolis than Gannon will with Arizona uh, out there, though the Rams are in a rebuild, and, you know, Seattle certainly looked the part this year. How do they build on that and continue moving forward uh, with a playoff team? And San Francisco, we know, uh, certainly right now has the goods out there as they also uh, have to settle a quarterback position at the beginning of the season. So with Baltimore hiring Todd Munkin and these coaching jobs working out uh, the way they did, there is a clear path. There is a clear path, if Eric Bieniemy wants to, to be the offensive coordinator here in Washington, if he indeed does interview with Ron Rivera. Remember, yesterday 
They interviewed Greg Roman. Now, you ask yourself the obvious question on the surface. Why would he leave successful organization in Kansas City? Coming to an organization, obviously, that has a lot of question marks right now because of the pending sale and the timing of that. But the ultimate thing that Eric Bieniemy must settle for all the people that continue to doubt him in the National Football League is the, the play-calling issue. And if he answers that and has success here in Washington, there are really no other things that they can hold over his head at that point. That's the last excuse that they use right now to try and not hire Eric Bieniemy as a head coach. And I believe even he is realizing now that if he is going to get, I mean, look, he's interviewed 16 times the 15 different teams now. If he's eventually going to get that head coaching opportunity, and ironically, I thought for him it might come at Colorado before Coach Prime obviously rolled into town and has taken over Eric Bieniemy's uh, college team. But for for Eric Bieniemy, now from a football standpoint, he has to answer that last question, it seems, before then there are no other excuses other than the obvious for him not getting a head coaching opportunity. And maybe, just maybe, maybe it's Ron Rivera that allows him that opportunity because you would think, in theory, he's going to have the autonomy to call the offense if he gets the job here in Washington. Coming up, we're going to talk Ted Lerner with the longtime voice of the Washington Nationals. Few have gotten a check from Ted Lerner longer than Charlie Slows. We'll talk about that and, of course, the pending baseball season with him. Coming up next, right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Touchdown at 10, coming up 10 o'clock this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 301-230-0980. Flying solo for the rest of the week. Chris headed down to Florida. And, of course, a guy that will be headed down to Florida very soon. Spends a lot of his offseason in the state of Florida, where it's a little warmer, though. Up here, global warming has certainly been in effect this winter. We have not seen any snow whatsoever. Bringing our good friend, the voice of the Washington Nationals, Charlie Slows. Charlie, how are you this morning? 
I'm good, Pete. How are you doing? I, I love that promo coming out of the break. See, but I, I know you too. You would do that game in Saskatchewan and make it back for the last five races to call the same night. Absolutely, Charlie. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would work out whatever plane flight I needed, or uh, you could give me a fast vehicle, and uh, I would make my way from Saskatchewan to Fort Washington as fast <laughs> as I possibly could. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, a few people. And the Washington Nationals organization have, uh, you know, known Ted Lerner as long as you have. Uh, you've been blessed to, to be the voice of the team from day one. When you look back uh, at the the legacy of what Ted Lerner uh, leaves here in D.C., certainly with this baseball franchise and obviously the crowning moment, 2019, uh, your thoughts on uh, Mr. Lerner's legacy here in D.C.? Well, his, his legacy in, in... – D.C. certainly preceded his time of owning the Washington Nationals. You know, unless you were in business, the construction business, or you know, uh, shopping malls, or uh, selling land that that he would purchase to to build the many things that he and his company did, uh, that certainly have left and, and probably an even bigger, longer-lasting legacy than owning the baseball team. Uh, but you know, if it wasn't for owning the baseball team. Uh, Ted Lerner's name probably would never, you know, be in the newspaper. He'd be fine with that because for all the accomplishments that he had, he was a very, very private person and uh, very family-oriented and did not crave the headlines or attention for anything. But that, certainly that was impossible not to happen when you own a baseball team and then, you know, you're part of building – uh, a new ballpark and and what sprung up as the fa- one of the fastest growing neighborhoods anywhere in, in Southeast DC, uh, the legacy of the ballpark, the All Star Game, and of course the team that went on to win the World Series in 2019. Uh, it's a, I don't know if it's a legacy that anyone will ever be able to match in this city. Charlie, I don't know if it, it when you look at sales of sports franchises, I'm not sure if they're are many that were, you know, that you had to deal with the things that they had to deal with in buying the Washington Nationals. Hey, winning the bidding process. You take over a team uh, that's playing at RFK. You've got to build a new stadium. And, oh, by the way, you're going to do it in a section of town that, uh, quite frankly, uh, not a lot of people want to be uh, in and haven't been in for years. Yet he and obviously the family and the organization uh, attacked this uh, fairly aggressively, and what has sprung up there in Southeast D.C. Uh, as as someone that works down there every day, uh, you work down there every day, obviously during the baseball season. Charlie, it's extraordinary what that area has become based on what it was uh, before baseball arrived back here in Washington. Yeah, if you're too young to to really know. Uh, as the people who have lived and worked in the area their entire lives, ask your parents, ask your grandparents what was there before the Navy Yard uh, district as it stands now. And it was it was certainly not a desirable place to be in the city. Um, you know, but you're, you're right. The learners had a winner bidding process. The team was already here. It was negotiated with the city that they would play at RFK Stadium, and a new stadium was, was already designed to be built when the learners won the bidding process to be owners, then getting involved when the plans are already in place. And, you know, for, for someone like Ted Lerner, when he builds, it has to be the best. His, his motto is, it was always, from what I've been told, is you don't take any shortcuts. You use the best materials, 
and you're building something to last. Not not to be here to be the best now, but you want it to be something that will last, that will be there for decades. And that's how we approached everything. I, I remember when they were in, in Vieira in spring training and they were looking uh, into a new facility and, you know, a lot of people like going to Vieira and, you know, there were questions, well, why can't they just fix this park? You know, I know it, was, it, it had its limitations on size, but, you know, can we build here or can we, can they, they rebuild, you know, refurbish? And his answer was there were too many things that wouldn't work because it's, it's not built to last. And he, he said, if you're, if you're going to do it right, then start from scratch and build it to last. Yeah, no doubt. It reminds me a lot of what my grandfather told me growing up. Either do it first class or don't do it at all. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, certainly within uh, their construction values, that uh, certainly on display uh, in any project uh, that they took on. But certainly, you know, in, in addition to obviously the, the great things they did, uh, you know, in, in real estate, baseball's a different – sports ownership is a completely uh, different thing. And the one thing – uh, you know, I've gleaned at least in my short time with the organization and certainly from uh, the Lerner family, uh, and you see it now, uh, obviously, you know, Mark uh, being more of the, the day-to-day voice of the team. The enthusiasm, though, that the family carried with the franchise, and, and sure, it's cool. It, it's cool to, to own a, a team and, you know, you know, being able to go out on the field and do, do whatever you want, you know, as the owner uh, of a baseball team. But, Charlie, they, they, as a family, they seem to have a lot of enthusiasm for the game, the sport, the nationals, the players. There seemed to be a complete buy-in uh, from the family, and I think based on some of the things that we have seen from some of the former players, including Ryan Zimmerman uh, with a very nice public tribute uh, to Ted Lerner, I, I think that was also something that, that kind of struck me is, is they bought in to the entire thing. Uh, from you know the the people that may have only worked part time at the stadium to obviously the players uh, who put the uh, product on the field. D- did you get that same sense? Obviously, being there every day the way you are. Yeah, I totally. Um, you know, Ted Lerner was a, a big baseball fan. I mean, he grew up playing baseball. Was you know, I'm told was a pretty good player in his time. And uh, you know, uh, when they were big Senators fan during their time here, both franchises and. You know, there's certainly a void when when baseball left, and they wanted to see baseball come back. And you know, they they didn't miss a lot of games. I mean, Ted was was there a lot until the last few years. Uh, you know, and certainly Mark and, until his health issues. I mean, was was a fixture. You'd see him sitting in his seat down by the Nationals dugout and in pouring rain before they would cover the field. I mean, he'd be the last person to go take cover. <laughs> You know that's that's how much he loved it, uh, and still does. So um, yeah, they, there was total buy-in. Um, I know the family suite; they always had a radio broadcast on in the suite because when they would tell us about something that we said. Uh, <laughs> so you know, uh, in relation to the game or something they enjoyed or something that we ended up explaining, you know. And one thing I'll, I'll always remember, and the one that really stands out was the year they opened. Uh, the Youth Baseball Academy, we were there for the opening and, and ceremonies were going on and Ted Lerner and I caught eye contact and he, he motions me over and he said, and, and he would do this almost every year if he saw me right around the, the opening day, beginning of the season, he would say, how do you think we're going to do? He goes, give me the, Give me your story, goes, and don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? He wanted to... 
He wanted the real story. Yes. Yes. How do you think we're going to do? What, what, no, or, or he'd say, what do we need? That would be his question. He goes, I know what we have. What do we need? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Slow's our guest as we are right around, of course, the, the corner from the start uh, of spring training. And, you know, as I was detailing in the opening segment for you and Dave Jagler this year, um, there's going to be a lot of explaining early in the season. Uh, Charlie, the game of baseball has been what it is because it's a timeless game. And now we are introducing clock, more clock elements than ever before now uh, in this game. And early in the season, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, explaining by broadcasters all over uh, Major League Baseball uh, to fans. And quite frankly, uh, players all throughout spring training are going to be looking at things that maybe they've not even had to worry about uh, before, whether it's getting in the box, going to hit, and obviously pitchers now uh, who at times are going to have uh, the, the pitch clock uh, and, and maybe have it enforced uh, a little bit more strict now uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Thoughts on, on where we're going with some of the rule changes now uh, for this season? Obviously, the 15-second clock for the pitch having to, the pitcher having to start his motion with nobody on base, 21 seconds if there is a man on first. And a lot of these rules were there was a session that they that they did yesterday for for broadcasters out in Arizona, and I think it was it was put on a Zoom also, um, which I didn't get to see, but I will get to see later on. But one of the interesting things that comes out of it. And I've been saying, I've said this to you when we did games together, all the pitchers who rock back and forth and the toe taps and all this stuff that pitchers would do so they would have a different timing or not be able to, to you know, prevent themselves from tipping pitches. Well, the clock is going to start when, when their motion starts. So if how are they going to start the clock or stop the 15-second the, the clock cutoff if they never stop moving? because they're rocking back and forth. So they're going to be called for that. They're going to be called for pitchers who do all that in the stretch are going to be called for box. Uh, Luis Garcia of Houston has the, he would do a stretch and a wind up together and step yeah. forward and step back and step forward and step to the side. That's all out. Can't do it anymore. Now, you know, we've seen in the past where major league baseball try to enforce things about box and then they started in spring training and then eventually go back to the way they were. But I think this is going to be a whole new thing with a clock. And so, uh, you know, pitchers are going to have to shorten what they do and come to a stop so that the clock stops. <laughs> Otherwise, the clock's going to keep going because you haven't stopped to start your delivery. I mean, you know, you're going to have umpires early in the season. And, and every, in every sport, because you've obviously done multiple sports, you know this, whenever there's a new point of emphasis – you're going to see this in spring training called uh, a lot probably uh, because yeah, they're good. going to want to drive that point home, you know, right away, mm -hmm. you know. And obviously on the other side of that, the batter has to be in the box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark on the timer or else he will be charged with an automatic strike. So, I mean. Right. Well, they're going to do this. They're going to do this during games. There's clocks already for pitchers throwing their bullpens. So that they get in the rhythm. Yeah, I mean, th this is going to be this is going to be very interesting. And 
at some point, you know, if a guy gets an automatic strike, I wonder. I mean, I wonder. Can we replay that? Is there going to can there be an appeal process at some point? Uh, I mean, you, you got enough for the umpires. Well, there's a slow, slow motion of whether, whether <laughs> right. he's ready before the clock. Yes, you mean uh, that'd yeah. be like you know basketball game? Did he get the shot off before yes, the? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and obviously, some of the, the the guys that have been in the minor leagues in the last year or two, they've they've had some of these, uh, you know, timing things where they've been experimenting and things of that nature. So those guys might be uh, familiar with it. But I mean, do you want to be the do you want to be the umpire that you know rolls over to Max Scherzer and say, hey, that's uh that's a violation, <laughs> you know? Um, you're probably not going to be greeted too well uh, right away. Uh, as we saw early with the glove checks and and all that other mm-hmm. stuff, you know, uh, I I just see. But see, for me, Max will tell you he doesn't like it, but he'll be better at it than anybody else. Sure, Max right. is always in a hurry. Max is always like, "Let's go." Yeah, you never see Max argue a ball or a strike because he's already on. You know, a pitch that that could have gone his way doesn't. I would say, how come you never? He goes, "They're not going to change it," and I got to throw the next pitch. So I'm on to the next. You know, I got to think about okay. Now, now it's two and one. What am I throwing next? He's always on to the next pitch right away. Charlie, but, he know, might be one. Like he might be one of the pitchers that points out, "Hey, you're not in there by the eight second mark. That's a strike. That's an automatic yeah. strike." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see Max see the doing clock. that. The clock will. The clock's going to be right in in in, in front of him. It's going to yeah. be behind home plate. It's you know they're they're going to make it so guys taking batting practice can see it. I mean, you, you've got to create this now during spring training. And from people I talked to, I, I had a friend that I had uh, breakfast with about a week ago, who scored a bunch of minor league games in Florida, you know, with the clock last year. And he said, you know, at first I'm, you know, I'm like, how's this going to work? He goes, after a while, you don't even notice it because everybody just adapted to it. And that's what I've heard at every level. Um, you know, other, other players, former big leaguers who had to go down to the minor leagues for rehab or whatever said, oh yeah, I hated it first, but then it was the best because, you know, there was a rhythm and a flow to the game. Matt Carpenter, before he left the Texas Rangers to sign with the Yankees last year, was playing a triple A, hated it first, and said this will be the best thing that ever happened uh, once it comes to the big league. So, yeah, and just, uh, like, know, think... just, just like referees in football who have a chance to reset the play clock, the home plate umpire is going to have the ability. Uh, they're going to have belt packs. They're going to be able to communicate with the field timing coordinator, um, you know, to reset you know, the, the play clock, so to speak, uh, depending on, you know, certain circumstances. Because uh, I, I watched a little bit of the video you were talking about, read part of the story, and I think if, you know, like a catcher makes the last out uh, of the inning or something, and you know the catcher obviously has, you know, a different uh, equipment load to put on and everything like that. So, I mean, there will be dis- some discretion, uh, you know, from the home plate umpire uh, in a lot of those situations. The other thing for you and Dave, too, is, there's a lot of new names, man. A lot of new faces. Uh, and uh, when, no. when you go from a long-term, older roster, uh, championship roster where you've seen the same guys for several years, um, now there's a lot of new faces, a lot, a lot of new names uh, that you guys uh, will be challenged with here uh, early in the season. But uh, I, I guess in a sense, though, too, at the same time, you know, maybe that's one of the better parts of it is, is now you get a chance to, to, to meet some new faces and some new energy uh, maybe that uh, comes into that clubhouse now in spring training here. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what everybody's, you know, hoping you see some guys. Certainly the guys have been with other clubs that uh, maybe are not coming off their best years or been injured. Uh, you know, Jamer Candelario is coming off a down year. He's hoping to win a starting job. 
you've got a new first baseman who's had success in the past, but kind of, you know, is, fell off of, of, you know, got really pushed out of position with what the Mets have done with their team. And, and so, yeah, th- things are going to be different. You have some guys who maybe have a little chip on their shoulders trying to prove themselves. Uh, Trevor Williams, who was a long man, a spot starter with the Mets, signs with the Nationals so that he could pitch as a starter every five days. You know, probably could have gone back to the Mets in a similar role, but it was thinks this is a better better for his career long term. I mean, you'll see a lot of the same faces out of the bullpen, maybe some new ones. I mean, Joey Manessis came out of nowhere to be, you know, if we're projecting him as your team's home run leader for, for 2023, whether he's playing in the outfield or, or DH or maybe occasionally at first base. Uh, you know, uh, Lane Thomas had a very good year. Does he step up? Victor Robles, another chance probably to be the everyday center fielder. Defense, not his issue. We know offense uh, is is really uh, something that has to improve for him to be a successful big leaguer uh, in the long term. You know, the ironic thing too, Charlie, is too there might be a, there might be a few more eyes over on the minor league camp at times too, uh, simply because people want to get a look at a lot of those young pieces uh, that do at least give you, I think, reason to be excited about the potential future uh, of the Nationals in this reload by uh, Mike Rizzo because. Um, there looks like there's a handful of young players that seem to have the ability to potentially play an exciting brand of baseball uh, again, and they're probably a year or two away at minimum uh, for this group, but at least you know down the road there appears to be some prospects worth getting excited about. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more eyes over on the minor league camp at times uh, with some of those uh, guys that are going to be over there. Would you think that uh, those, that those guys at least early in camp are going to draw some a lot of the fans coming down there. No doubt. Um, you know, you hear about them, and it kind of harkens back to the to the uh, early years of the Nationals, and, you know, after you've drafted Strasburg and, and Bryce Harper, number one back-to-back, and some of the other players who are coming in the organization. But maybe you have because you made the trade with San Diego and, and you got six players back, and, and you're hearing a lot about all of them at once that were highly regarded uh with San Diego, so you know, and, and all of them looked at great chances to all to hit on all of them. I mean, normally you'd say, well, if you hit on half of them or two out of six, that'd be great. But I mean, most of the baseball people think that you know you're going to hit on all of these guys. So it's just a matter of when they get here, and you know, certainly that's going to be an exciting process to watch as they uh, move through the farm system. And, and no doubt, at the same time, and I'll let you out on this because we talked about this obviously at the end of the season last year. You really can't quantify what strong defense, certainly up the middle, does. Obviously, there's new rules defensively that will be in place as well. But to have Ruiz, Abrams at short, and certainly, as you mentioned, at minimum, the defense of Victor Robles in center field, just having that type of defense is going to help your pitching staff considerably. And we even noticed a difference, Charlie, in the time that Abrams was here just the types of things he did defensively that do reduce the strain on your pitching staff, the amount of pitches they have to throw, the amount of batters they have to face because he makes plays that there are some guys that don't make uh, those plays uh, because of the glove uh, and instincts he seems to have at the shortstop position. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, certainly he can be a gold glove caliber shortstop, still very young, still very 
raw in, in what we've seen, but uh, he has a chance to be great. And we saw what that meant when you had a Trey Turner in his great range at shortstop in those years for the Nationals. So uh, certainly defense up the middle is going to matter more. You can't shift. You can't clog one side of the infield. So you're going to need athleticism. You know, and, and I think it helps Luis Garcia to be at one position, as we saw after the arrival of Abrams. That was it with him being at shortstop and uh, much more comfortable and more suited to play second base. And hopefully he still has a chance at a young age to, at 22 to get better as, as well, um, you know, both of them. Uh, at 22 years old at this point. Uh, that, that's a very young uh, keystone combination there, and hopefully uh, it'll be one that Nationals fans uh, see for years. You know, I think, as we mentioned, the questions at first and, you know, at third, can is Carter Keyboom come back from having Tommy John surgery and finally uh, fulfill uh, what was projected of him? Because, you know, to the point up to when he got hurt, uh, he really has improved himself offensively uh, at the big league level on a consistent basis. So certainly some questions. I mean, this is this is going to be like a, a, a machine that, that's going to change, and they'll be moving parts. They've added some veterans for depth, certainly for pitching. Uh, uh, that'll be at the AAA level so that they have, you know, as the case usually is, not many teams go through the season using just five starters or six or even seven anymore. So you, you've got to have depth. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see, is Kate Cavalli ready? Is he a healthy? Is he stepped right into the rotation from the beginning of the year and, and fulfilled uh, some of the hype from that, that we've, you know, the flashes that we saw in spring training last year. Mackenzie Gore was a key piece in the Juan Soto trade. Wasn't healthy enough to pitch for the Nationals last year. Does Josiah Gray improve? Uh, Hunter Harvey in the bullpen uh, showed uh, terrific flashes last year uh, after coming off the injured list. His history has been he's gotten hurt a lot and he stay healthy and and uh, be a force because he has a back of the arm, back of the bullpen end of game type arm. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I I mean the only question with him through the years, Charlie, as you mentioned, has been health because uh, the arm when it's healthy uh, has got some pretty good electricity in it. No doubt. Charlie, appreciate you getting up, taking some time uh, with us this morning. Certainly uh, can't wait to see you and Dave back here in uh, D.C. as uh, baseball gets cranked up uh, for another season. And, of course, over on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. And certainly enjoy spring training, which uh, obviously uh, games will be right around the corner. We look forward to hearing you and Dave on the radio. Appreciate the time this morning. Yeah, we'll be there next week. First game's a week from Saturday. Can you believe that? Love here it. we go. Can't wait. Appreciate it, Charlie. Thank you, sir. You got it. You got Charlie Slows joining us here this morning as the Nats a week from Saturday get going spring training wise. And as you heard, you know, Charlie and I talking about certainly going to be great enthusiasm for the young players that many obviously were acquired, certainly in the San Diego deal. All eyes are going to be on those players. Some of the young draft picks as well. You got guys that look like they can hit the ball, obviously, for some very impressive power. You need them to cut down on strikeouts and early in spring training. I guarantee you there are going to be a lot of eyes over at that minor league camp taking a look at the woods and the greens of the world and seeing just exactly what the future of Nationals baseball uh, looks like with a couple of key cogs uh, like that amongst the ranks. 301-230-0980. Football season is over. Give you a little brief window here if you're a Nats fan. You know, uh, is there anything that does excite you going into this 2023 season here for Nationals baseball because there's going to be a lot of new faces and uh, hopefully a lot of new enthusiasm in this reload from Mike Rizzo. Let's take a look at what's trending. 
And we're brought to you by the Maryland Vehicle Prevention Council. Last night in hoops, the Wizards go on the road and hold off a late rally by Portland. Close it out impressively, 126 to 101, as Kyle Kuzma shows the way with 33 points for Washington in that one. There was speculation about trades, but obviously none forthcoming. Everybody in the league knew the Raiders at some point by February 15th would have to either trade or release Derek Carr. No one gave up any assets. The Raiders released Derek Carr. That could have happened a year ago, yet Washington chose to give up assets for Carson Wentz in a similar situation. That's a look at what's trending. We're brought to you by the Maryland Vehicle Prevention Council. Maryland drivers, did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of Maryland? The key to preventing theft is in your hands. Lock your car, take your key, use an anti-theft device. Learn more about vehicle theft prevention at mdautotheft.org. I'm Pete Medhurst with a look at what's trending on the Team 980. Streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Again, our thanks to Charlie Slows. We'll hear from him and Dave throughout the season here. And as he told you, spring training, the first spring training game a week from Saturday. So we're going to start to get a look at, you know, the James Woods, the Elijah Greens. And I'm telling you, people are going to want to go over to that minor league camp, that side of camp. They're going to want to go over there and watch those guys take B. Because they hit some epic shots. I mean, we were watching some of the video that comes out from the guys already down there and hitting and everything like that. Clearly, for those guys, for both of them, you know, you, you can't, you got to cut down on strikeouts. I mean, uh, that's the the one thing with any power hitter. We, we've resigned ourselves to baseball being a game that is, you know, it, it's either feast or famine. You either hit a home run or you strike out, whether you like that or not. You know, the Freddie Pateks of the world are fewer and far between. The Ozzie Smiths are fewer and far between. You know, guys that are smaller in stature that rarely ever hit a home run. Now every guy, uh, when scouts go out, they're looking, do you have power? Do you have A-plus power? Okay? Just like with arms. Do you have an A-plus arm? You know, if a scout rolls out to a high school and sees a guy pitching like Greg Maddox, you know, throwing mid to upper 80s, and painting the corners, he's not going to appreciate that as much as the guy that throws 98, that everybody's looking for now. Everybody's looking for the guy with the electric arm. And I thought Charlie brought up a great point about Cade Cavalli. We got we got a glimpse of Cade Cavalli at this level last year. You know, he got batters out. He also gave up hits. We saw spring training games where he got outs and he got hit. Okay. The question ultimately becomes, is he the type of guy? That guy is expected to be a number one starter at some point in this organization. And, and, and getting into that role now 
where I believe defense behind a young pitcher like him matters more than ever before. Because that guy's going to walk people early. We know that. We, we saw that. We've seen that in spring training. We saw it in the limited time we saw him last year. It's ultimately, though, can you limit the damage? And also, I think what's going to help some of the batters, you know, are the defensive changes. I think we're going to see more hits. I mean, just by their nature, you know, not having a guy like, uh, you know, in, in slow pitch softball when you have 10 out, ten people out there and a fourth outfielder. Well, your, your second baseman's not playing right field uh, anymore. You know, I mean, you, you, that guy was 20 feet, 30 feet away from his right fielder at times with the way uh, the game uh, was being played defensively. Now, I'm of the opinion you should be allowed to deploy your defensive players any way you want, okay? I, if you want to play a, a, a guy out in right field at second base, by by all means, go do that. If you want to put your third baseman, and, and Charlie, Dave and I talk about this an awful lot, when we're broadcasting games, you have to be incredibly cognizant of where the defense is moving the third baseman. It's usually the third baseman 90% of the time that goes to the right side of the infield. And where he goes, sometimes sometimes he's the, the guy closer to the middle. Sometimes he's the guy that's over by where, you know, second base traditionally plays. And you have and you can hear kind of the chuckle in our voices all the time. That's a 5-3 put out you know, from the right side of second base. And I'll be fascinated by that as well. Plus, hitters are taught to get in a routine. My daughter's batting coach talks to her about that. From the time you approach the box, have the same routine. Well, guys are going to have to speed up that routine now. As uh, Charlie and I were talking about, I gave you, they, they've got to be in the box by eight seconds on that clock and ready to go. They're going to get charged with an automatic strike. And, and that'll be a fascinating thing to watch during spring training to see how people react to it. Now, they're pros. The, the chances are 98% of these guys will certainly uh, be able to make the adjustments necessary. But you know there's going to be a guy or two on every roster. It's going to get in their head at first. And it may take them a little longer uh, to make that adjustment, to pay attention. Oh, where's the clock? Okay, it's right there. Oh, I got there's only 10 seconds left. I got to get my rear end in the box, ready to go here, or I'm going to get an automatic strike. Imagine that. Imagine being the umpire, the home plate umpire, watching that clock. It's a 3-2 pitch in a one-run game, and the batter is out of the box, and that clock hits eight, and you see the umpire's right hand go up in the air. Bang! Strike three. Game over. You talk about anticlimactic ending with a lot of controversy. I can't wait to see if that happens at some point during the course of a game. Coming up, Touchdown at 10 is next right here on the Team 980. Streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.